We'll do it live! Fuck it! The US strikes back, killing a member of the Islamic State. Welcome to episode number one of Planet Rage. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where everybody's pissed off and it's okay. That's what we're here for. And along with me is the one, the only Larry Blydner of that Larry show, that intro by John Fletcher. Larry, what do you think? I love it. Masterful. (laughs) Thank you, John. Very well done. Really good. The guy can scream. He can scream. Yeah. It's got the right cadence, the right everything. It's perfect. And he plays the guitar. And it's just like, when, yes. and anytime I'm starting up a new show or have an idea, he's the guy I go to. And it's never like he sends me something. And then I go, no, no, I want to do this a little differently. It's like it comes in and I'm like, whoa, that, that's it. Yeah. First take Fletch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and well, of course, he always he always tweaks it then because he wants to make it even better because uh, he's a perfectionist he's of sorts. Yes, he's an artist. But those screams that he does, I mean, for people that have ever listened to the mighty best podcast in the universe, the No Agenda Show, they've heard Fletcher screaming. And yeah. the show I did with Ryan Bemrose called Grumpy Old Bands, and you were on a bunch of those. We had Fletcher screaming in the intro. And yeah. uh, this is kind of the concept for planet rage is everything that was in his voice there yes is what this podcast we hope will embody it's a combination our patron saints of the show john fletcher i think and sam kinnison and somewhere in the middle is where we will uh we'll we'll find a happy medium hopefully sam is watching over us right now and and probably smiling (laughs) that was is the best thing about Sam Kinison was always the laugh yeah. within the rage. Yes. And it seems like Sam was always delivering in a tone that was, you know, it was half talking. Well, maybe not even mainly screaming, but even though it everybody wanted to put it off as an angry scream. No, it, it wasn't. He was having too much fun. Yeah, what was most amazing about Sam was the way he, he had this like synchro mesh transmission where he could just, without without here feeling any of the gears click, just smoothly rise up to a turbine shriek from nowhere <laughs> from jump. It was really extraordinary. The guy had some some chords. <laughs> he really did. Oh Great. yeah, to yeah. do that on a daily basis to be able to oh. scream and then be yeah. able to still talk. I don't know how he does that. It yeah. was, it wouldn't, it, it's something that, uh, I don't know how any of those guys do. I don't know how Sammy Hagar can, can talk <laughs> or any of those guys that have the rock rasp. How, how do they do that? I don't know. I don't get it. You would think that if you're, uh, for some people you do that enough and your vocal cords just completely fry Sam, it didn't happen. There's and Sammy, yeah. there didn't happen. It's, uh, yeah. it, it seasons them in one way or yeah. shape or another, I guess. When I was about uh, nine in school, um, somebody challenged me. Somebody came up with a, a invented a word, which was Sally Bumba. And it was, it was, they said, they said it in this weird, almost like Sam Kinison voice it was like Sally Bumba. And so I, I thought it was really cool. And for an entire day, I answered every question. That's all I would say. Sally Bumba. <laughs> well, you know, after a day of that, I couldn't speak for four days. Voice was gone. So I don't know how those guys do it. And it's, it's the emotiveness in the scream. It is, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, like I said, with Sam, it was rage, but it was hilarious. And yeah. his type of comedy, it couldn't be like, uh, we've said this about a lot of things. It's like, I don't think it could be done and t- 
tolerated by the the woke media and the, the whole woke universe no. that's going on, which no. is a shame because this kind of comedy, it was never. That's the one thing about Sam Kinison. I don't think there was anything in any act that I ever saw him do that I would consider to be something that was really trying to hurt somebody. It was all done in the sense of having fun in any of the stuff that was pointed out was doing so usually at the expense of somebody that everybody can kind of agree was being a dick. Yeah. And comedy's over. You know, I mean, really, if you think about it, the, the, you know, the most basic form of comedy is some guy steps on a rake and clobbers himself or <laughs> slips on a banana peel. Right. But the Montessori mindset of the planet now is that's not nice. It has to be nice. Everything to be nice. And so if it's not nice, you know, doesn't get doesn't get by. So, right. And it is still <laughs> funny. I mean, that's funny. That's the hardest thing now is when you want to laugh about something. If you're in the wrong crowd. Right. And you want to laugh about something. And it's like, oh, but wait, that's not. Is that politically correct? Funny. Or is that just regular funny? And, uh, you know, that maybe maybe raging has replaced comedy. Maybe that's the new cathartic. Right. Used to be rich. Really think about it. Laughing was a hell of a lot more healthier. Oh, yeah. And than than going insane but that's all people do now right Which maybe that was why the, we have this show yeah that was the trick for kinnison it was equal parts yeah. rage and laughing and you put those mm-hmm. two together yeah and they kind of work and uh you know this is not a political show this is not a news show will we talk about politics or things in the news every now and then sure we'll talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about whatever brings the rage <laughs> You know, and then so we have, uh, you know, hopefully some really good producers out there who will be helping us along and uh, bringing some content because we want to hear your rage. That is going to be a big part of this. And we may even build a rage gauge and, uh, <laughs> calibrate this. It'd be a lot of fun. Right. It could. Well, is this kind of like our version? And this is going to really date probably both of us, because I'm sure you're aware of what the gong show was. Sure. And. uh this could just be our version of the uh, of the scoring system is, uh, you know, do, or do we do we have to pull out the gong and the rage yeah. is obviously no good. Get rid of you quick. And uh, there is just so much content out well, there. But what we're looking for, I think, Darren, is the holy grail rage, which, again, to quote, you know, dusty, musty uh, pieces of entertainment from years gone by. Anybody who's a sci-fi fan and recalls the movie Scanners, right? I don't know if have you have you seen that. I movie? believe so. Yeah, yeah, years ago. Yeah, a long time ago, and um, you know, wasn't wasn't rage induced, but you know, whatever the hell happened with these scanner people, they would just suddenly their fucking heads would explode, <laughs> and and that's what we're looking for. Is you know, I don't know if we'll ever find it, but somebody that's so enraged, so over the top, so past their boiling point that all of a sudden there's just this. <laughs> You know, and the walls are just dripping with gray matter and blood and capillaries and chunks of skull. And then the question is, is it real rage or (laughs) is it somebody that's faking the rage? I think we'll always be able to know. I really do. Oh, that seems like a challenge that we're issuing already. It is a challenge. I I think we'll know. And we'll be putting a, uh, a way for people to submit rage kind of stuff on our website, which is planetrage.show. Which let me just say dot show dot show dot show because this is show not something a lot of people everybody thinks it's you know dot com dot net dot org and and there's so many of these new domains now and it's like this is a dot show I also have planet outrage dot com but see the name of the show we shortened to planet raids so it'll people might not be able to find it and then they'll be pissed which is great because then yes they'll be primed and ready they'll bring (laughs) the rage along with them i mean i go back to listening and it wasn't completely rage filled but to jonathan brandmeyer back in the day on the radio here in chicago there was a bit that he would do usually on fridays which was called the shove it line Mm. and people would just call in and when he would pick up the phone he'd be like go and then they would have to give their best shot 
at telling their boss off. So it'd be like, hey, yeah, Jimmy over at the McDonald's on Wolf Road. Fuck you. I quit, man. And uh, I mean, of course, they couldn't swear on the radio, but we can. And uh, I kind of think that is something that we have the uh, the producers that could bring some interesting content, not just for uh, their boss currently. But I mean, maybe, you know, you're mad at your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, whoever. I think a lot of people have a lot of rage. And if we can help them, Larry, if we can help them release that rage, I mean, a big part of that is just is letting go is is getting really down and dirty, express it and then let it go. One might refer to us as cathartic technicians, (laughs) cathartic technicians. I like that. Yes. Yes. There you go. I mean, we could have so. called the show the cathartic technicians, but nobody would have ever found it. Cause nobody, they're like, <laughs> what? I don't, that's yeah, a that'd long, be a little, uh, bit of a stretch, but it's a yeah. long domain name, but, uh, we are going to work this show yeah. on the value for value model and the show yep. will probably have a Patreon or something like that as this thing gets running. I mean, this is just a pilot episode. I mean, we don't even know we're going to get picked up or not. Right. It's hard to say. It is hard to say, but we want to, you know, one, have all that kind of a rage, let people express their rage. We are, we're the technicians that are going to help you recalibrate your, is it rage dar then? Uh, Something like that. Yeah. I can, I can see the concept, but then we also want to do things that help ease the rage, you know, talk about things that make people happy, talk about things that are, funny talk about things that uh you know do some top five lists i mean i was already what's gonna be with larry we uh, we probably do top five pointy chicks although you know the lists really start running dry after the first few yeah they're becoming um harder to find i mean not hard to find but they're they're frowned upon like funny jokes really think about it well yes because every it's equity everybody's the same everybody's the same everyone's the same so but they're not with the, with the same outcome, right? right. That's a big word out the outcome. Yeah. Which is even worse, <laughs> which is why comedy is dead because if the outcome of every story is the same, there's no punchline anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's no surprise. Mm-hmm. We are just watching as Rome burns, I think is a quite, uh, a quite good way to put it. I think that kind of encapsulates mm-hmm. what's going on. And when we came up with the name, for this show, it was pretty much fresh on me doing an episode of Random Thoughts that was about social media using rage and anger yeah. to keep people engaged. And I'm like, you know, this is exactly what's going on, is that in order to keep your attention, mm-hmm. these social media companies are intentionally working you to be pissed off. Oh, yeah. And that's not healthy. No. They don't want you to release the rage because the minute you release the rage, you're like, oh, I have better things to do. Of course. Of course. And, you know, it's such a a thing. Um, I I um, constantly block people on Twitter and whether I know them or not, I just look sometimes just their faces. I don't (laughs) see the fucking face. Click. They're blocked. I don't even read what they say. They're avatars. No matter. You're out of my life. But, um, it's, it's, it's astonishing. I mean, that blocking means nothing because their shit still comes up. I still get their fucking tweets and their feeds and everything. So that's deliberate. That's Dorsey. Who's maybe whose face is the most objectionable one of all. Um, and they still, because that's a deliberate move by them to, Hey, look at this. Yeah. You don't block shit. You sit, you're going to see what we tell you to see. And then you're going to get pissed and hang around. So I don't, I just vanish. Yes. It keeps you engaged. And it's a system that is not good for anybody using the social media. And this is what they all do. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. They're all the same. They want your attention Mm -hmm. and they know how to get it. But I thought that was an interesting uh, concept. There was a guy on Twitter. He's a conservative. He's on like One America News, I think, is the network he's on now. But his name is uh, Jack Posobiec. And he tweeted, quote, Imagine what they got away with before we all had social media. 
And I was thinking about that. And I don't believe that when, when I'm assuming what he's talking about when he says they would be the government overall, you know, maybe the media a little bit, but I think it's totally the opposite. And maybe you have a different opinion on this, which is my thing is social media has actually made it so much easier for whoever the government or the mainstream media to get away with things. I don't believe social media is a force for keeping these types of people honest. I believe because of the way the algorithms work, because of the way all this stuff is put together, because you don't know that those million likes or the people that are responding in kind, if they're even real. Now, if it's people that are your actual friends in the real world, Take those a little bit more seriously. But I think the exact opposite is true in that social media has actually made it much easier for the wool to be pulled over people's eyes because they can go there and see who are allegedly real people and some are and some aren't. But they see what they think are real people overall agreeing with their side. And we know that confirmation bias is a huge thing. So I think it's just the opposite, but it's an interesting debate on whether or not social media is actually helping or hurting the mainstream media and the government pull the wool over people's eyes. Which do you think it is? Oh, I think they're absolutely working in concert. I mean, these guys, uh, yeah. I mean, look, uh, Jen Psaki told us that, didn't she? She was working with the uh, social media platforms to, uh, censor and say what they wanted to say so i mean this is they're not they're not being coy about it they came right up and told us that right because misinformation now is the problem Mm -hmm. and who gets to decide what misinformation is Mm -hmm. becomes a really big issue and that was the other twitter quote that i had pulled out for today was uh, jason whitlock who is a conservative commentator he's on the blaze network he was a sports commentator uh, or is And uh, he says, we've normalized censorship in the land of the free. And there are people who think this is a good thing. Lots of people. Sure. And these two kind of go together there, which is like, yeah, that kind of offsets the other guy. And they're both conservatives, which is interesting. Or they're both, they're both, well, let me just say they're both screaming on that side of the aisle. What they really believe, I don't know enough about either one of these guys. Mm -hmm. But I think social media has actually made it easier for, you know, big brother, let's just call it all that a combination to get away with things because it's able to be steered in such a way. There are so many people. If you ask anybody that, you know, in the real world, Larry, that do they realize that what information they're getting on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the information they're getting is tailored specifically to them, both pushing a narrative and keeping certain things away. Do you think most people realize that it's not just everybody, you know, that don't believe everybody just sees the same thing? No, of course not. They're like, it's just social media. No, I I just see what they post and they see what I post. It's like, no, they don't know. It's all tailored and chopped and channeled, but it is. Yeah. And that's how you get people to believe. So it's like, I don't know. Social media, I think is a bigger problem than the mainstream media. And that's a scary thing for me to say. I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I, absolutely. The world was a much better place. I mean, before social media. Really. Yes. Well, because the, the anger, again, this is planet rage and your rage was not being played with. It was not being stoked to try to keep your attention, to try to make money off of you, to try to keep you reading the timeline and interacting with who you again, think are real people, but most of the time you don't know. and. Right. If you're arguing with somebody, if you're having a actual disagreement, argument, vehement conversation with somebody on a social media site, and you don't know that person from the real world, mm-hmm. you're probably just wasting your time. Yeah. No doubt. It's a tremendous time suck. And it's not healthy. You're not, not going to convince. I mean, there's a really good chance that person is just being paid to push that opinion or it's an yeah. AI. Sure. Which is something other people don't want to, uh, you know, make 
that they, they don't enter into their thought patterns when they're looking at social media, which is like, well, this might not even be a real person. This could just be a computer. Right. And that's getting harder and harder to figure out. But the the Jason Whitlock thing came with a hashtag, too, which was uh, Alex Berenson, who was a, I think, New York Times writer who then yes. turned the, you know, very much into the anti-vax stuff and has been posting stuff since the beginning of COVID, which I thought was some really interesting stuff when this started. And I don't know if you followed him, but he's, you know, I follow Berenson and I don't know that I would call him an anti-vaxxer is more of like a vax truther. Yes. Well, um, that's you know, it. And they, really I know these terms, somebody got mad at me when I was like, Oh, you know, with the people that are in the anti-vax movement that were using the, the argument that, Oh, well, it's not FDA approved. So why would I want to take it? And I'm like, that's the worst argument you can have because the no minute more. the FDA approves it. No, now what have you got? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your argument disappears. And it's like, that's not good. Have a, an argument in the argument. And uh, it could be something as simple as don't want it. Yeah. That's valid for me. Yeah. It's not good for me. Right. You know, <laughs> I don't want it. And uh, so for Alex, you know, Berenson, it wasn't a surprise mm-hmm. that he was finally now permanently suspended off of twitter right because this is uh this is something that we've seen happening and it's building and it's not getting any better i mean i will say there was some stuff that he posted that i thought was like you know you're you're fudging the numbers a little bit because a lot of people don't understand how numbers work it's very rare to find somebody that really understands the intricacies of statistics and there was even a book written which was shows up in the memes of uh, Bill Gates a lot, which is, you know, how to lie with statistics. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, if you know what you're doing, you can make a lot of numbers sound like something that they mean totally different than what they actually mean. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing some of this stuff with uh, like what's going on in Israel with the vaccine that, well, oh, there's X amount of people in the hospital that are vaxxed and the X amount that are unvaxxed. And because there's a bunch of vaxxed people in the hospital, that proves that the vaccines don't work. But you have to understand the statistics of it. Like, you know, let's just take a magical world and say there's 100 people in this town. And out of those 100 people, 90 people have gotten the jab and 10 haven't. Mm-hmm. Now, in the town hospital, there's 10 people, five we're vaccinated, five not vaccinated. Does that mean the vax is working or it isn't working? Most people are going to come down with, well, see, it's not working. There's the same amount of people that are vaxxed and unvaxxed. But you go, yeah, but those five people of the of the uh, 90 that were vaccinated, that's 5.5% of that population. The five people out of the 10 that weren't vaccinated, that's half of that population. And you have to weigh those numbers. And it doesn't mean that the vaccine's good or bad, but it's like, just get to the honest numbers, get to what they actually mean. But there were a lot of people using the stuff like, well, look, there's half the people in the Israel uh, Israeli hospital were vaccinated and half were unvaccinated and they've got 90% of the people vaccinated. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean what you want it to mean. And that's where the breakdowns kind of come because I think at this point, People look at the news and go, I can't trust anything I'm hearing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, again, the words matter. Right. And um, they changed the definition of the word vaccine. Right. They absolutely did. I mean, if you were vaccinated against smallpox or polio or measles or mumps, you know, you can pretty much move about to infected populations uh, without a care in the world. Right. And. Berenson's tweet, I'm looking right at it, that got him banned from Twitter. He said, it doesn't stop infection. That's correct. Yes, it is. Or transmission. That's correct. Yes. And then he goes on to say, don't think of it as a vaccine. Think of it, at best, as a therapeutic with a limited window of efficacy. That's true. It's not durable. And terrible side effects profile that must be dosed in advance of illness. Okay. I, I can't find a lie in there anywhere. Oh, there is none. Yeah. So, so they throw him off of Twitter because of that. 
Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty mind blowing and they've moved, they've changed the definitions. They've moved the goalposts. You know, I remember I got a good memory and you can see it. You can see it in print. You can see it in video. You can see Joe Mencia saying it, you know, it's a hundred percent safe and effective. The fuck it is. It's not. Um, and it's the whole thing is shifted from him saying, you know, you put this on, you can be free again. Do it. You take this jab, you'd be free. You can do what you want. Move around without a mask. Oh, wait a minute. We're not so sure about that. Put a mask back on. Um, they have they have just lied or fucked up every step of the way. They really have. So I don't, I don't you know, do you need the numbers to to you know, you don't have, you don't have to look at the statistics. All you have to do is look at the verbiage they're using. And they've 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 enmeshed themselves in bullshit from jump. Oh, yeah. And that's well, that's it, that there is just so much that people cannot understand. There is so much that whether it's a uh, outright lie or whether it's complete incompetence and with the government, it, it can be either or both. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're lying about their incompetence, maybe a little bit of each. But for everybody to get the truth, which is what these social media companies then use, which is. Well, you know, we have to silence these other voices because because they're impeding the truth. And it's like, well, no, if everybody would just be honest. Right. And give the reality of the, the thing, which is the vaccines do a certain amount to help people from getting really sick or die. But there are people that have really bad side effects, you know, a smaller amount again, but they exist. They exist. And that's important. And one of the things I brought up through all this is there are certain people that can't eat peanuts or have shellfish because they're going to have a reaction that if isn't treated immediately will probably die. So again, you have to understand the risks with anything and everybody should be able to make their own choice and understand the risks. But all of this stuff, all of the censorship is keeping people from being able to make an honest choice. And there's no question what they're doing is trying to push everybody into one particular box and you know that's absolutely wrong yeah and i'm somebody that got the vaccination and i was like no you people need to understand going in what the possibilities of what could happen are and there's finding more and more with the mrna stuff especially it seems in younger males that it causes heart inflammation which is a really bad thing yeah. And, but look what they do. They try to blow it off as, oh, you know, it's, that it goes away. It's okay. It's no big deal. No, it is a big deal with lasting effects, but they're not saying that. No, they're not. And when somebody does try to point that out, and as you said, Alex Berenson, there was, do I believe he said everything in the perfect way he could have? Probably not. But was he lying about things? No. Mm. And what these people that are pulling the switches, at Twitter to throw somebody off. I mean, okay, pressing keys on a keyboard. I doubt there's actual pulling switches like a. <laughs> although maybe I don't be. know. Who knows? Is there like a big Jules Verne machine? Yes, up there in Palo Alto. Who knows? You know, it could be. It could just be like with the old electric chairs when you see in the movies. They've got the big switch they pull down. Like ah, Barons, oh, yeah. get them out of here. You know, maybe could be. And, maybe uh, I can see why these types of things anger people on both sides and people on both sides have to realize i think they're all being equally duped yeah i think i think people just the the where there's really the line is drawn is you know what people every person is different and this is your you know as you said earlier you know the equity thing the whole notion of we are one we are one we are not one we are not one we are individuals and you thought it was a good idea for you to, to take it, as did your doctor, and you did. And that's fantastic. And I hope it works for you and keeps you safe forever. I really do. But the moment somebody's now, you have to take this for my safety, as vaccinated people are spreading this as often as the unvaccinated, that gets a mighty fuck you from me. Yes, because the difference is now when the vaccination is being pushed whether you know it's a redefining or not is irrelevant but if it's like okay and if we now understand what they're talking about with this particular thing is it lowers the severity but you will still get infected and you will you will still spread that is a uh, 
it's a game changer. I mean, it's, it's, it's a total game changer. And, and it went from, you know, boosters every eight months. Now they're talking five months. Now it's, I mean, where does this end? And some of these chooches actually say, I don't give a shit. I'll take the jab every week if it's that what it takes. <laughs> really? Okay. Just get a fucking IV and walk around with that. How about that? Little three-wheeler, you know, on that stick. Do that. And, that. and that may work for somebody. But yeah. the other side of this is there is a certain percentage of people, and we aren't going to know this for a long time, when all of the smoke really clears to know what the fallout was for the vaccinations. But anybody telling you that any vaccination is 100% safe is lying to you because even the flu vaccines that people take every year are not without side effects. They are not without fatalities. They're a correct. very, very small number. But you're absolutely correct. And again, let's go back and look at the wording, Darren. Okay. Before this pandemic, nobody ever, I don't give a shit whether you're at CVS or Rite Aid or your, your doctor's office, they never, ever, ever, ever called it a flu vaccine. They called it a flu shot. True. Now suddenly it's a flu vaccine, which it is not. It never has been. It's a different thing because it's a guess, which is okay. which I always thought was intriguing, which is like we know there's so many different variants of the flu out there. Right. And we have to guess which to put into this shot. And for whatever yes. reason, you could only put like two or three in. And if they get it right. wrong, which is why there's some of the flu seasons, which were much worse than others, because, well, they guessed wrong. Yeah. And yeah. that'll happen. Of course it will. But you should know what the possible side effects are going in. And if you're a relatively healthy person who understands, you know, the one interesting thing for me is there's a lot of people that have been getting COVID and still dying. So it's like the reality of the situation seems to be that whatever courses of action they have to treat people are also not perfect, which I understand then leads to more anxiety for people. Oh, yeah. Because if, if there was a magical pill, then nobody would even care about the vaccines. And of course, if there was a magical pill, those people would make a lot more than the vaccine makers. If it was, yeah. hey, if you get this disease and you can mm-hmm. pop a pill, you know, like a Z pack for a week and oh, you, you're fine. Right. Sure. Then then nobody's afraid of, the, you know, nobody needs the vaccinations anymore. So. Uh, right. It is a muddled mess. And it you're is right. a muddled mess. And the, the terrible thing is it's the one size fits all thing that the only the only path to to beating this thing back is vaccination. It's proving not to be true. And, you know, in everybody has a different body chemistry. Everybody has different um, whatever comorbidities or not. I mean, there, there is no I mean, they're like we're, we are all different, just like our fingerprints. And for any entity to say you you all have to take this same thing and this. Fuck them. They're completely wrong. They have an agenda. They just have an agenda. And it's not your health. It's not. No, a lot of it is just to separate uh, not even necessarily you from your money, but your insurance company from your from their money. And yeah. uh, the uh, there, there's no doubt that money plays a big part in what's oh, sure. going on. And, uh, sure. you know, since this isn't a political show, we we did want to bring some other things in. And you had a couple of clips from some of your favorite movie rants because we wanted to kind of show people yeah. we're setting a bar yes. for what kind of rant they could actually submit and uh, i brought one i don't know if you've ever heard this this was famous from the chicago area back before the cubbies had lights do you remember way back before the cubbies had lights you know i i, I can't say darren because i've never been a baseball fan but i trust you when you tell me that happened 1983 the cubs uh, they got lights i believe in 1988 so it was always day baseball which made for an interesting fandom for the cubs because they didn't play night games which meant they played games during the day which meant while the rest of the world was working the cubs were playing games oh at wrigley field gotcha which kind of sets up the 1983 season where the cubs started on a a pretty bad note and their manager at the time, Lee Elia, went on a little bit of a tirade. And for me, I thought this was, I mean, I know there's some Tommy Lasorda clips. I've heard a few really good sports rants. Yeah. But I thought this one rose above and beyond. And you can let me know what you think. This is Lee Elia 
Cubs manager, 1983. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit. Just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Because if they're the real Chicago fucking fans, they can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. What the, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Go out there and let my fucking players get destroyed every day and be quiet about it for the fucking nickel-dime people that show up? The motherfuckers don't even work. That's why they're out at the fucking game. They only go out and get a fucking job and find out what it's like to go out and earn a fucking living. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. The fucking playground for the cocksuckers. Rip them motherfuckers. Rip them cocksuckers like the fucking players. Got guys busting their fucking ass and them fucking people boo. And that's the Cubs? My fucking ass. They talk about the great fucking support that the players get around here. I haven't seen it this fucking year. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the fucking job done. Right now, we have more losses than we have wins. The fucking changes that have happened in the Cub organization are multifold. All right, they don't show because we're 5-14. and 14. And unfortunately, that's the criteria of them dumb 15 motherfucking percent that come out to date baseball. The other 85 percent are earning a living. See, you can tell it's really Chicago because there's like air raid sirens going on towards the <laughs> end of that. A vacuum around his feet. <laughs> maybe. And I just that guy's a hero. I love him. That was an epic fucking rage. Wow. It, it is when you're going against the people that are basically paying your salary and yeah. showing up to root for the team. Wow. Amazing. Now, is he still alive? Yeah, I believe he is. And I think he, he doubled down on that at some point. I'll have to find the uh, the doubling down years later where he, he basically was like, I, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you're right. That's a hero right there standing up and being like, hey, you're going to you're going to boo my players. Um, you know, when you say that 15% of the world's working or 85% of the world's working <laughs> and the other 15% come out to the cub games, then, uh, you know, I thought that was fantastic. That was fantastic. And it, you know, his delivery to the, the bile, you could, it was just amazing. You could see like a halo of fucking sparks flying out of his skull. As he's saying that that was, that was masterful. Loved it. Well, you great could clip, tell, right. Clip. He had that. He had the, the, the vehemence going there. Mm, yeah. And you could tell that there was something that finally snapped. And this is yeah. what you get with the sports kind of stuff, because they have to answer. Well, a manager especially has to answer the questions. And uh, in this case, um, he gave an honest opinion. Yeah. Now, what was the context of that? Darren? Was that in a locker room and somebody with a little pocket it, recorder or what yes that's i believe that? that's what it was that you know they were doing the interview after the game and uh mm-hmm. he wasn't happy that the fans were booing yeah. <laughs> there was one uh, uh off to pull the, the clip out at some point was a tommy lasorda one was the only one that i think ever came that close from the sports front was yeah. a day that the cubs I believe, I believe it was the cubs had beat him and uh i think dave kingman hit three home runs which is why i'm pretty sure it was the cubs and a reporter asked him very sheepishly, like, what did you think of Kingman's performance? And Lasorda went off. Yeah. And we'll bring that one because it was, it was, yeah. it was definitely worthwhile. But, I mean, you brought a couple that uh, Dennis Hopper, who, I mean, I think that this is an iconic movie moment from Blue Velvet. <laughs> Get ready to fuck! You fuckers, fucker! You fucker! Oh, hey, oh, don't you fucking look at me! <laughs> See that that rage when it's when it's when when words fail and the guy's just growling like a pit bull, you know, and screeching like a banshee. It's like holy shit! That's a next level rage, you know. And all he can get up pretty much is just fuck. It's whoa, right? You can't even make out a word at that point. I, you're seeing red. You don't even know you, yeah. you, you want to express yourself in one way, but words don't come. Yeah. I think a lot of people are feeling that today. Oh, they are. Yeah. No, no question. 
So it's, it's cathartic. And uh, you know, it this, is. this one you brought in from Chevy Chase was a little funnier, but this is more, yeah. I mean, you've got kids and I'm sure there were days and this, my wife will uh, back me up on this one that when we haven't been there in a long time, because Disney is now one of the most evil corporations in the world. Yes. But the last couple of times that we were at Disney world, whether it was, you know, on a ride or whether it was in one of the restaurants all the time, we'd run into parents losing it on their kids, Really, <laughs> you know, just yelling that the, you know, our, we had a, people next to us in a room the one time that was just like going off at like seven in the morning to her. Okay. I, I remember just yelling, shut the fuck up. And all of a sudden everything got quiet, which was nice. <laughs> but, uh, um, when, when it would happen, like when we were at a restaurant or something or in a ride and the parents just yelling at the kid, cause the kid finally pushed their last nerve. I would just start singing the song. It's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow <laughs> because it was so Disney of it all. Yeah. But I think this Chevy chase clip from the movie vacation, you know, Wally world and all, I think it's in that, in that same kind of vein. I think you're all fucked in the head. We're 10 hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun. We'll need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your assholes. (laughs) I got to be crazy. I'm on a pilgrimage to see a moose. Praise Marty Moose. Holy shit. Dad, you want to ask for something? Don't touch. <laughs> so is that close to uh, some of the uh, Blydner family vacations? Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, there's, I, I've, I've had my fuse lit a couple of times. Um, yeah, you know, they just get to you. Um, I remember one time my, my daughter, my older daughter um, was always, you know, it'd be uh, pretty obstreperous. And she was about i say four or five years old and we were at a at a a mall nearby and something she just went off over something she wanted to actually the usual reason is they're either hungry or they need a nap you know and she needed a nap and she just got pissed off about something and started you know kind of ranting and running around like a nut and we're in a parking lot of a mall and i'm thinking jesus she's gonna run out in front of a car you know and so i just grabbed her I had to grab her, picked her up under one arm like a football and started carrying her toward my car. And of course, she's screaming and punching me, you know, and then asshole onlookers like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, um, well, I'm saving my daughter's life. Now shut the fuck up. <laughs> really? That's what it boiled down to. But we're supposed to let her let her run around and run run under a speeding Buick. You know, it was just it was insane. You weren't so, being yeah, woke you, enough. You weren't doing it in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, so that's, that those, those things happen. That's part of, um, being uh, a dad, I guess. But what I love about that rage is, is it's, it's a controlled rage. And to me, the, uh, the, the, the peak of that is when the kid says, do you want an aspirin? And the way he delivers that don't touch, <laughs> holy shit. It's, it's really, you can, you know, you see, okay, you know, whatever they paid him for that at the time, a couple million bucks, <clears throat> it was worth it. Who else could have done that like that? I don't know. He was great. And I was never, a, I was never a big Chevy Chase fan, but Jesus, in that role, he was pretty fl- flawless as, as Clark Griswold. He was really great. Definitely fit. And, uh, oh, yeah. the, the last one I've got, which, uh, is a guy that I really like the great Bill O'Reilly. And a lot mm-hmm. of people have heard this one, but I, th- I think since, uh, you know, he's a, uh, podcaster now, just like us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, this rage might be the one we're setting the bar with for people coming in. And this is what happens when uh, your teleprompter doesn't work, which is maybe why now he doesn't use a teleprompter. Like just saying, maybe that's tomorrow. And that is it for us today. Okay. I don't know what, whatever it is, it's not right on a teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there is. We are going to do sting. Yeah. Okay. But, Okay. Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. Any? Sure. There's no words there to play us out. What does that mean? To play us out. It's, it's Sting is going to do. It's a video. Sting video. 
What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. And five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. <laughs> the epitome of professionalism. <laughs> I guess they assumed that uh, Bill had uh, some experience as a, a radio DJ, and clearly he didn't. Yeah, so the, we'll play him out. We'll play him out. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. No fucking words. <laughs> Which I get. I mean, I mean, your brain would short circuit if you don't understand the terminology. Like, what do you mean? Right. He'll play us out. What does, yeah. what does, yeah. what does that mean? That's classic. But he, he gathered it. Yeah. <laughs> he gathered it. And my favorite thing is you can hear between one of those takes, the, the breath, the <sighs> getting ready for the next one, like trying to calm himself. And there's uh, there's one thing when you're a podcaster, like right now, we're not doing the show live in front of anybody. So right. anything can be edited. Anything can be made mm -hmm. better. When you know you're doing stuff in front of a live audience, that uh, that adds a little bit to the uh, to the tension level, I guess. Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting in, in these these uh, these clips. Um, I mean, Chevy's was a different thing as a scripted movie. But, and I guess so was Hopper, but the baseball guy, right? The base, the Cubs dude and, and O'Reilly just now, those were, well, O'Reilly, I guess he, did he, did he think they were rolling tape at the time? Maybe not. I'm sure. Um, I mean, because when you're doing that, I think they're always rolling. I guess so. Yeah. And the, but the Cubs guy had no idea, right? That was. Well, no, this, he knew they put the microphone in oh, front he knew? of him. So yeah. Oh, I didn't was, know. I didn't realize that. That oh, wasn't okay. a hidden microphone thing. This oh, was. Wow. This was a reporter like, hey, what do you think? And he's like, all right, I'm on. I'm wow. lit. <laughs> See, he really got lit up. I didn't realize that. I thought it was a secret recording. Holy no. Shit. I mean, it just sounds that way because it was 1983 and the recording technology yeah. was not quite where it is today. Mm -hmm. But this is where all of our producers listening in right now. Yeah. In their pockets, they have recording devices. Yes. That they can take wherever they want. You know, maybe if you're a waitress or a waiter, I mean, don't get fired or anything. But, you know, if you have a if you have a customer, I mean, if somebody's pissing yeah. you off, if you're trying to piss them off. This is uh, this is content for us. So, I mean, this, this is, is content. Awkward. You can share with the world right yes. here. Share your rage. rage. show. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I was looking for uh, and I couldn't find it, maybe it's been scrubbed from the Internet. I don't know. But um, like 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 I, as you know, I'm not a big uh, sports fan. But some years ago, there was a clip of Charles Barkley, whom I've always enjoyed. There's something about that guy. He's, he's not your average jock. No, and he's smart, and he tells smart the guy. truth. Very smart guy. Yeah, he seems he's very genuine. So um, I have no idea, you know, other of anything else about him. But he's, he's he seems always enjoyable too. <laughs> he seems like a character that is worth listening to. And he was at a press conference. I don't know where the hell it was, but I remember he was standing at a podium, all whatever the hell, six, eight of them or something. And some reporter lit his fuse and asked him or made some comment to him that just fucking just pissed him off. And he just came right back. Fuck you. Fuck your <laughs> wife. Fuck your children. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. He just, it was just relentless. <laughs> thought, Holy shit, man. This is a, this is a new level of rage from Barkley. I, and I, like I said, I, I did a kind of a lot of a duck duck going around Darren looking for that, but couldn't find it. Well, somebody may it, know be a good one. what that was from. And I think we need to start a, uh, a hall of fame. And yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Which clips actually uh, make it to that level. Maybe people won't think that the O'Reilly clip makes it to that level or the Lee Elia thing makes it to that level, but uh, it could be interesting. And then we're going to, we're going to want your rage. We're going to want yes. you to send in your rage. Right now, you can do so the old-fashioned way. I did set up an email at rage at planetrage.show. 
that if you want to send in a link to like a YouTube video of you being raged, you want to send in an audio clip, something like that. And we'll be working on other ways for that to happen through our website over at planetrage.show. We will be setting up all the donation type things as we do work on the value for value model. That'll also be on planetrage.show. And this is all just a work in progress. This is uh, the pilot. We hope uh, you're digging the concept. I mean, if not, you can reach out to either one of us also. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N. Right. Rage. <laughs> Tell us we suck. At Larry, L-A-R-R-Y, at planetrage.show. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. We want your input. This is your show. We're just here to uh, to officiate. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, cathartic technicians. That's us. <laughs> I like that. We're going to put that on a business card. There you go. Like rage show. <laughs> what do you do? This is what I do. I'm a cathartic technician. What does that mean? <laughs> we help you get your rage off. That's it. Or your rage on. I mean, whichever. Yeah. Whichever way you want to do. But we will be back next week to rage on some more. And uh, we hope you can join us. So thanks, Larry. This was fun. Thanks, Darren. Fun time. Looking forward to the next one. Until next time, I'm Darren O'Neill. And uh, he is the one and only Larry Blydner. Thank God. The U.S. strikes back, killing a member of the Islamic State. Hold!